one. Spags, it's Friday, which means it's a tradition like none other. Us drafting a Superflex team together. Oh, yeah. We got to dig in on some underdog Superflex big board best ball drafting rookies as well as all the guys we think are going to make an impact in 2022. We also got to dig in on Bruce Arians' career. He's retired. Tom Brady maybe forced him out, so we'll parse that out. But also pay a little respects to the man out there. And you need to hear about all the important news around Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints. We're going to hit it right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. And Pete, you're not my friend anymore. LOL, April Fools. Oh, man. I actually forgot it was April Fools for like about an hour, and it was a very blissful hour. Uh, yeah, lots of yuckums up on Twitter today. Julian Edelman saying he signed with uh, the Bucks. Uh, have you gotten got yet by any April Fools pranks? I've not gotten got, but did you see that Ian Rappaport got got by David Njoku uh, by him saying that he requested a trade, even though the reports are he's signing an extension there. I think he got the franchise tag this offseason, but they're working towards a long-term deal. That one jumped out to me because if you're Ian Rappaport, he certainly uh, takes his lumps, I think, for his reporting, but he's thrown more shots out there than anybody outside of Adam Schefter. I feel like that's one, though, you can't get wrong on this day of all days. Yeah, and like here's the problem with April Fool's Day. Like, if your April Fool's joke is funny, I'm like, let it fly, right? Like, sometimes I think the brands do a good job of being like, obviously, we would never endorse whatever, a competitor product or what, like, whatever it is that, and there's at least a kernel of comedy to it. Like, when David Dujoku says here, and I'll pull it up on the screen, uh, good morning, all. I have instructed my agent to seek a trade. I want my fans to know first. Like, this isn't a joke. Like, there's no reason anyone <laughs> would not suspect that to be the truth. So, like, since when did just blatant lying become what April Fool's Day is? I mean, this it, it has to be funny, right, Spags? Uh, speaking of funny, Ivan in the chat saying, no April Fool's bullshit. We're only here for serious football analysis. I presume that's him pulling an April Fool's joke on this show. <laughs> uh, we are not known for only doing the seriousness, but I agree. I think I saw, um, it was actually uh, our guy, Mike Tanier over at Football Outsiders is doing a great job with the NFL draft coverage. And he was like, if JJ Watt tweets, like I'm having a ham sandwich. And then it's like, LOL, never mind. It's Turkey. Like what? I don't know. I'm just taking this at face value, man. If you're going on social media to post LeBron did the same thing too today, where he's like, guess my season's over like head and face emoji whatever and it's like what is the point of this it's not even funny there's no joke component to it it's just you lying to people for the lulls and i feel like that's not uh, the only lulls i want to see are you and brick pete if you catch my drift i uh you know that's uh now that's the kind of inside baseball joke that i can get behind <laughs> you know what i will equate it to spags and you're gonna hate this comparison but April Fools is like this templated excuse for people to have like a content idea. They're like, oh, I need ideas. What's something I tweet? What? Oh, it's April Fools. I can say something that's not true and then follow it up with April Fools and I'll have content. It's the same as the Wordle people. The Wordle people need permission. They need an excuse and a template to create content. Oh, I have something to share every morning. My Wordle score. Oh, it's April Fools Day. I'll say something that's not true. That's what's happening, Spags. Wow, that's rude. Honestly, Wordle, I have to say, if, if anybody of the Wordleites out there, uh, Wordle people, hands up right now. Um, ever since they moved to the New York Times, the words are so much harder. 
<laughs> like it, the one thing I had going for me with Wordle is I had an undefeated streak. And granted, you know, like my brain functionality certainly has taken the hit that comes with new parenthood and all that stuff. Even as the dad, we're doing much less work for sure. But I would say like there's words now where I'm like, I've, I think I've gotten two incorrect out of 60 overall. And I hate it, Pete. I hate the word that, you know, Wordle now is it used to be a, a real ego boost for me every day being like, I'm undefeated here. The New York Times comes in and it just steps on my dick over and over again. That actually reminds me, I had meant to fire off a tweet um, at some point because uh, I've never been a huge uh, crossword bro. You know, mm -hmm. I never really kind of self-identified as that kind of person. But on our trip to Hawaii, Lauren and I, the one of the hotels we went at had like the New York Times printed out insert and it had the, uh, you know, the crossword puzzle of the day. So we started doing those at breakfast and I really uh, enjoyed it. And I was, you know, thinking about how that's what, you know, Wordle is just dumbed down version of crossword puzzles for people and it's more shareable. And so I was feeling very elitist and, you know, thinking very uh, poorly of all the, the Wordle heads out there who have no culture or taste. You became a 55-year-old man real fast, <laughs> that time zone shift to Hawaii, apparently. But I get it. Like Crosswords definitely are more difficult. The New York Times crosswords certainly uh, is one of those that is hard. And you kind of, I, from what I know from it, I've only done it a handful of times in my life. That is not, I am also not a crossword bro. But there is like that sense of accomplishment from what I've, what I've gathered. Like my grandparents used to do crosswords growing up, including the New York Times. Though I think my grandma definitely preferred like the New York Post one <laughs> a little bit more because she wasn't, she's not a Times lady in general. But yeah, like I get the satisfaction of it and work certainly you know like it's it's much faster like for sure than strapping in for two hours doing a crossword puzzle yeah and i mean again i know anyone who does them regularly already uh knows all this stuff but like there's varying difficulty levels to the crosswords and sometimes the easier ones earlier in the week you feel really good about yourself i had one though the other day and it must have been one of the saturday or sunday ones and it had like this weird theme to it where everything was kind of like a double entendre on the clue. And like every clue was just being way too clever. You know, it's normally, it's like, you need like a to B thinking maybe a to C. And this was like a to F on every clue. And I just got so pissed. I, I was like, I want to hunt this guy down and tell him he makes shitty crossword puzzles. No one is having fun with this, but maybe that's just me uh, not being good enough. That's true. I mean, you look, you got to keep grinding there. We are the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And that doesn't specifically refer to football. That could refer to crosswords, could refer uh, to video games. So that's that's where we get the cover here to talk about this stuff. But if you are enjoying this show, make sure you subscribe to the Peach channel as well as the Splash Play channel. Uh, we're actually going to be doing some new stuff over on the channel, I believe, starting next week. Uh, basically going to be chopping up this show into more palatable clips for the people out there who, you know, we get it. Like, we do hour shows, sometimes hour and a half shows on here. It can be hard to get that in the mix, and we know with attention fans and all of that we have to be smarter about that as well as quite frankly trying to juke the youtube algorithms a little bit more for pete and my sake to help grow this show that we believe in very much and hopefully you guys do as well but make sure you are checking out the splash play channel because we're going to start putting out some of our segments there uh, with some additional bells and whistles as well as maybe some exclusive content to come on that channel as well but we're going to keep doing both here and we appreciate the support for both pete's channel as well as the splash play channel and you guys as a community too it does mean a lot to have you there so that's why we're trying to do more here trying to make this show a little bit more than it is currently and also so make sure you're checking out Football Outsiders. Lots of great stuff going on out there. We've talked about the USFL. And, and Pete, I don't know if you're ready for this yet. Actually, I think you are because you've been doing content for yourself. I think we should start the USFL coverage on Monday. And I do think the articles we have over at Football Outsiders probably be a pretty good jumping off point. Yeah, I was, I was actually tilting this morning because I just finished recording um, and doing like a first pass edit on, uh, a USFL video, more of kind of like a general overview, looking at the teams, talking about potential betting in DFS angles. And I should be able to have that out 
by early to mid next week. But as I'm putting the finishing touches on it, I log in this morning and there's all these transaction moves happening. I had a little section about Eli Rogers, you know, talking about the connection with Todd Haley back when he was a rookie for the Steelers, talking about how both him and Jordan Tiamu had success in the XFL. And it's like, he just didn't report to the team. He's like on their reserve list. And everyone's like, yeah, he's probably just not playing. I'm like, what the mm -hmm. fuck? Uh, and then on top of that too, I was, um, who was the other one? Devion Smith. Uh, the running back, I believe, for the Tampa Bay Bandits, um, they just out-released him, and he was like number one on their depth chart. So the USFL is going to be wild. There is definitely going to be a big edge for anyone who stays on top of the depth charts in the news because if uh, this morning was any indication, there's going to be a lot of maneuvering. Yeah, we have the free articles over at Football Outsiders, so go check them out. Brian Knowles on the Ramblings tab. Uh, you can go see some of the archives there. He's going team by team, giving his previews. We've also talked about our pal Cody Main over at ETR, who's basically tweeting nonstop, doing all <laughs> the info gathering out there about the stuff. Uh, Shea Patterson, a man of God, I saw across my feed. So uh, up your stock or drop your stock accordingly uh, for Shea Patterson. But we are going to do the best we can to give you guys the information uh, for the USFL. We, we love football on the show. We cover football. Every game that's out there, we're going to do our best to give you guys a leg up and uh, we'll have some guests as well coming up here i think we are going to call cody off off the bench to, to come on this show and stop doing his real full-time work for etr to give some fun and profitable advice for you guys so stay tuned here but we are going to be strapping in for the usfl but pete let's talk about the nfl of course up top uh we got some uh, the april fool's day things we talked about david and joku not in fact leaving the cleveland browns he is going to be re-upping there but not an april fool's item bruce arians officially retiring rumors were swirling out there that part of the reason tom brady had his uh, pseudo retirement was he wasn't happy with how Bruce Arians ran things uh, whether that's true or not Bruce Arians denied the stuff Tom Brady I don't know if he's publicly denied it but maybe some back channel denials about that it is going to be Todd Bowles taking over he's now uh, Todd Bowles also 58 years old looks fantastic for 58 so first of all good for him uh, good for a diversity hire as well a guy who deserved it um, I saw Mina Kimes tweeted that the Bucks have basically been in the top 10 of DVOA every year uh, since we have Todd, had Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator there and if you like the move Pete I know you love coaching carousel talk as much as anybody but let's start with the Todd Bowles move I feel like continuity gonna be a big thing there uh leaving Brian Byron Leftwich in control of that offense seems like a big one as well but overall for the spot with the Bucks I think it's a move probably to appease Tom Brady but also more so maybe Bruce Arians just time to go at a certain point yeah I forget who posted it I bet uh Dricko can let me know in the chat there was some link that was shared today and either the ship chasing um oh here it is um this was from Rick Stroud, a, a report. He said, there will be some changes on offense under Todd Bowles that Tom Brady will embrace. A commitment to run the football more is one, but those close to Brady and Arians say the Bucks QB did not push for this. It's a BA decision. Um, so this is like, again, weird. Why? I mean, a BA decision, but he stepped down and Bowles is the coach. I mean, it doesn't make sense for this offense to be a run focused. I mean, you've got to play to your strengths. And I think if Tom Brady's playing, he's still obviously one of their strengths. So I can't see a huge fundamental shift, but it does make a little sense, right? Like we don't want to be passing and putting Tom Brady in these situations every single down. So maybe they start to skew a little bit more uh, run heavy, but I thought that was interesting. Like, this higher, if those reports are correct, and maybe I'm underestimating it, like then maybe there is a shift to how we should be viewing Brady in this passing offense.
Yeah, it's interesting because last year, and I think this is part of Bruce Arians' legacy that we can talk about in a second, but you know, team leading in pass rate last year, team leading in passing touchdown rate last year as well. They were throwing that ball around in a way that you know Tom Brady, it seemed like maybe that was what he was hoping for, was to pat some stats on the way out, certainly having the most uh, historical run of any QB that we'll probably see in our lifetimes in terms of longevity and now as well as the results. But I think maybe you know he was coming under fire a lot there. The offensive line play with some of those guys getting hurt down the stretch. They're losing more guys this offseason. It does seem like perhaps Tom Brady was just not the most comfortable standing in the pocket, taking those hits, waiting for Mike Evans to get open downfield. And you could see where a run game might be more effective. It is amusing that they'll be perhaps moving more to the run now that, as Pete pointed out in the Fantasy Life newsletter, uh, no Ronald Jones in tow, no, no way for Bruce Arians to bench him anymore. But it does seem like in this spot, you know, some some definitely some tea leaves floating around with Tom Brady wanting a change and a meeting with the owners all of a sudden this timeline leads to Bruce Arians leaving and honestly Bruce Arians like you know coaching is hard like especially at his age like he's an old enough guy now where I'm sure moving in the front office getting a cushy role there like probably not the hardest thing I would think Pete to talk Bruce Arians into like yeah here we'll pay you a million dollars go sit in the front office don't do the hard work anymore and then you could still kind of reap the benefits of team building that put the bucks in this place in the in the first place. It sounds like a dream job. It's like the equivalent of, you know, the players that go and then get the ESPN gig and they're still in the mix. You know, they're getting to talk to people and uh, not having to actually be dealing with the grind. Um, one other thing, though, about the running point, and I am inclined to agree with uh, Dricko saying that he doesn't buy Tampa Bay running the ball because they aren't really built that way anyways, at least with their running back personnel. Like I know Leonard Fournette has impressed. He has that full three down skill set, but we're not talking about, you know, like the Browns or even the Packers that have an AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, where it's like, that's such a strong strength for them that it would make sense to lean on it more. Um, whereas the Bucks' strength is Tom Brady in the passing game. They did just re-sign Gio Bernard as well. Again, kind of signaling to me that they want to emphasize, um, you know, their running backs catching passes a little bit more than they did last year. So I don't know. I, I kind of am, as we talk it out, not really buying uh, these early reports, which it shows how starved we are for nuggets. If we're talking about like a slightly negative pass rate over expectation on fucking April 1st. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look that April fools we're talking about, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think, you know, maybe more the James white approach, just check down passes that kind of our pseudo runs, I think could be effective there. Uh, Kevin Tompkins in the chat here saying Brees Hall to Tampa Bay gaining some steam. There's a lot of ways they could end up approaching this one, but I think if you're paying Fournette, you're, he's probably the lead back there. And if you're supplementing him, maybe it's more of an Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon approach in the bucks uh, with some pass catchers mixed in like Keyshawn Vaughn and, and Gio Bernard, but we'll see how that goes. Bruce Arians. Though, I, I do kind of want to give a shout out Pete, because I feel like Bruce Arians does at least historically has represented a lot of what we look for in fantasy football and the no risk it, no biscuits, the famous one, um, you know, less so his Kangol. I've always hated the Kangol. I will go on record as saying that, but I do think like with Bruce Arians, just his approach and, and in particular, I, I'm sure, you know, the real diehards out there will remember the 2019 season that he had with Jameis Winston, where he did back Jameis coming in and then Jameis threw for like 500, 600 air yards a game made fantasy stars, at least out of Rashad Perriman, guys like Justin Watson down the stretch like that to me, as somebody who enjoys fantasy football, who wants to see guys sling the ball downfield, that was my utopia, like a little more rushing from Jameis would have been nice than the kind of Josh Allen format where you're taking your deep shots, you're getting chunk runs in between. But I feel like overall, Pete, like Bruce Arians impact, I think really was more just opening it up in the way that, you know, when he started winning with that methodology, whether it was as a replacement coach or a subbing in for Chuck Pagano in Indianapolis, what he did in Arizona, as well certainly what he did in tampa bay like i think if anything he probably deserves a little more credit for being one of the more fantasy friendly coaches we've seen in recent years 
if I, you know, when you said I want to give him a shout out, I actually thought it was just going to be a title thing. Shout out to Arian's great career. Um, this one's going to be a little harder to clip, but if you're shouting him out directly, Spags. Yeah. Oh, I, shout I, out hang on, hang on. Arian. No, no, hang on. I hope he sees it, bro. I hope he does. <laughs> I, but I think you got to, you know, you got, when you got to get these guys their flowers sometimes, like Bruce Arians was somebody who did what we want these guys to do. And, you know, now he's gone and we'll see if that ends up still being the Bucks ethos. But like, yeah, I hope he sees it too. I hope he goes like, oh, I'm, I'm glad that Splash Play is finally acknowledging me. It's honestly the one thing that Pete and I have talked about behind the scenes, maybe not mentioned on the show, because this show gets retweeted through Football Outsiders and they post clips and stuff. They're probably posting some more clips coming up. Football Outsiders is a tremendously influential NFL base that just sees our bullshit <laughs> coming on their timeline. And they have to keep following because Football Outsiders is doing DVOA, doing all these great statistical things as well as the analysis. But it's like guys like Tony Khan, like real front office, diehard bros, all the reporters out there, and they see this show. So maybe Bruce Arians will stumble across it and go, thank you, fel thank you fellows. It'll tip his little Kangol cap and call it a day. Do you have, do you have access to the Football Outsiders Twitter account? Do you run yes. that? Yeah. So I, I assume we're just kind of loaded with DM requests to come on the show in there from influential people throughout uh, the NFL. You know, we don't know that's an option. I think that's, the, <laughs> I mean, if I'm sure if we put out a request there, uh, put out some gibberish tweets that we would normally put on the splash play handle, I feel like then maybe we'd get people flocking over. But it really, it's just a matter, I think, of the ask, Pete. And once we put that ask out there, they'll be coming on the show left and right. Have you had any close call? I mean, not that you, you save your more cancelable quotes for on stream, not necessarily in tweets, but have you ever um, accidentally fired off a Spags personal tweet from one of the corporate accounts? No, no, I leave that to the professionals there. Though I will say, I don't, I want to throw anybody at F under the bus, but apparently there were some, some jokes that were not anything like untoward, but about a football player who had passed away and in a way where it was like a news item that nobody would remember. Cause it was like yeah. during the, the start of COVID basically that some uh, receiver gone away. And then there had to be a couple edits and I was like, haha, seems like I'm not the only one who has <laughs> verbal faux pas from time to time. <laughs> there you go. Um, other news we got to touch on real fast. Taysom Hill officially designated as a tight end so they can use him in more gimmick plays without making him the official backup QB in New Orleans. Dennis Allen put that out as an official statement. So uh, it does seem like that'll be the way it goes. Saints also signed Andy Dalton as a backup QB slash maybe a starter for a few games if Jameis can't get back to full speed right away. Any thoughts on this overall, Pete? It does seem like Taysom Hill a couple of years ago when he was at FanDuel at tight end and then was also playing QB was a, a monster DFS week for a lot of people out there. Now that's going to be our every week reality and Taysom Hill will probably have a stupid price that makes him never playable. Yeah, this this looks like such a mess. Um, I still am holding out hope that they'll try to draft a quarterback like anyone with potential. I, I used to be willing to keep going back to the Jameis Winston. Well, I think I've just been fooled too many times at this point where it's just hard for me to muster excitement. Um, but yeah, it's the end of an era, you know, for Taysom Hill. We, of course, uh, no more Sean Payton there to kind of, you know, force him into the offense as a quarterback. But who knows what, what's Sean Payton's relationship with Dennis Allen? Is he going to be kind of calling him up being like, Hey man, you got this weapon. You got a Ferrari in the garage and you need to pop the lid and let him get out there. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like week eight, everything's gone to shit with Andy Dalton. So they're like, fuck it. Let's just get Taysom Hill back there again.
I think Sean Payton's probably busy sending angry letters about Kevin James playing in a movie. <laughs> like, what is? How did this casting happen? Like, I think if anything, that's what he's busy with. But yeah, look, we know the Saints love Taysom Hill. Not enough to have him as a QB. He's going to be actually making less money as a result of this move, where um, his contract does escalate if he's starting QB for X amount of games. So uh, cost savings there. They could still use him for gimmickry, and it did seem like overall Jameis was a better QB last year. Uh, whether Taysom is better or worse than Andy Dalton, I guess we'll find out at some point this year. And the last news item that we we have to catch up on the Niners language around Jimmy Garoppolo seemingly changing here. Seems like they can't find anybody who wants to trade for him, Pete. Perhaps that changes here in the lead up to the NFL draft. Jimmy Garoppolo trending towards coming back. Niners non-committal about who's going to start. And what a debacle if they have to bring Jimmy G back once more. Yeah, we were talking about this on uh ship chasing the other night, too, in that like you look at his ADP, Trey Lance. I mean, especially we'll hop in this super flex draft, you'll be able to see how early he goes, but there is the, the market is not drafting Trey Lance as if there's any uncertainty surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like full steam ahead. I still think Lance being the starter is the most likely situation, but every single day, I feel like the odds of Jimmy G returning and starting week one increase. Um, and so, yeah, I haven't been drafting Trey Lance uh, basically at all. Um, if anything, I would hope for like confirmation of Jimmy G returning and then just see if I can get Trey Lance for free, you know, at the end of these things. So I don't know if buying the top, uh, on Trey Lance is the, is the best move right now with how much uncertainty there is. And we already know, like we, there's no uncertainty about how Kyle Shanahan feels like his team can still be built to succeed with Jimmy Garoppolo and he can just keep kicking the, you know, the, uh, you know, the franchise quarterback conversation down the road. I think he'd be perfectly willing to do that another year. Yeah, they've put some quotes out there, both Shanahan and John Lynch, talking about how uh, Trey Lance has basically been talking to them every day. Jimmy G's been kind of persona non grata, or at least not communicating as much while he's recouping from his shoulder issues. We'll see how it goes, but it just seems like right now, Jimmy G's such a depreciated asset, also with the injury. Uh, maybe somebody's QB goes down in training camp. You see Jimmy G move there, but right now, I would agree. Uh, the Trey Lance ADP looked tough, even if you were to assume he's a starter. Uh, with any sort of uncertainty there, definitely a risk profile that could be tough. But Pete, it is time to dig in for underdog, of course. Course, people could use the promo code splash and check this out this boy here has got some underdog merch to oh. wear to officially strap in for a nice little super flex draft did uh what well, did sam take care of you who, who no, andrew is my guy andrew mackins okay. of course over at underdog who's sometimes in the chat here we appreciate a bunch uh, but no sent me some goods also sent luca a couple little uh little onesies for himself which wow. frankly is like gold in the the parenting community because these fucking babies pete they go through onesies like like nobody's business <laughs> let's let's see the full thing look at this yeah the underdog gear looks good on you i like but, it i like the the hats are nice too <laughs> Honestly, really high quality hat. So if you yeah. are going to buy merch from any uh, DFS or fantasy site or prop betting site out there, uh, whatever else the future comes for Underdog, I'll say Underdog's logo, the branding, and this isn't me even being a shill. I'm glad we have Underdog as a sponsor because I've always loved the the kind of the iconography of it. And like Nick Ercolano, his neon Underdog sign, we talked about that on the show once. I would legit put one up here. Like, you know, you got to pay me a little more under the table perhaps. But I like I love the way Underdog does everything. Uh, you are such a natural shill that you promoted uh, underdog merch that actually isn't available for public purchase. They do it exclusively for partners and via giveaways, but it oh. was a classic Spags moment there. Go buy, line up right now outside the underdog yeah. store and get yourself all this stuff. Very comfortable t-shirt too. It's nice and yeah. soft. If you guys could touch Spags, me. There's nothing you need to sell. They, they can't get this shirt. 
Use promo code SPLASH. Double your T-shirt deposit. <laughs> so guys, I'm telling you, they literally can't. <laughs> well, you know, the important thing is when they are when they are ready to sell the stuff, Pete, then they'll be good to go, and they'll know that they have the official SPAGS cosign that everybody looks for merch-wise. Um, that's the truth. Uh, I have to ask Corbin a question because I swear to God, Corbin, I've been drafting pretty infrequently. Let's say hopping in a slow draft every couple days, maybe a live draft on ship chasing. You are in every single draft, Corbin. What is going on with you? What do you do? What's your story? Who are you? And how can you draft every single second of the day? I honestly, you know, uh, Corbin Welsh here also kind of seems like a fake name, if we're being honest. So maybe he's, maybe it's somebody who you know, who's just kind of keeping tabs on you from afar. Yeah, I, I don't, it does. Corbin Welsh here. It sounds like if a private detective got really, like a British private detective got really into best ball. Corbin Welsh here on the case, lads. Uh, Corbin Welsh here reporting for duty, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Should you be diversifying your portfolio? I'll tell you from the bushes. That Corbin Welsh here is like the, that's his family name because his great grandfather is like a hair cutter who was really good in the UK. <laughs> oh, the Welshier family, of course, the well-known hair cuttery. Uh, Corbin, we just did uh, a minute bit uh, on you, so you got you got our attention. Oh, we got to give a also a quick shout out to our guy, Josh Frick, who I saw in the chat earlier, um, did send me a DM asking when I would do his show, um, which I've not replied to yet. Cause I am on baby duty, man. I'm not replying to even closest friends in the world, but Pete, did you get your invite to do Josh's new show that we'll promote here on the show as one of our friends? Uh, no, I didn't get the invite. Uh, oh. so this is pretty awkward. Maybe just invited you. Um, we are on the clock here. So Russ, um, Russ. Okay. All right. Let's do all it. Right. You, I, you're so excited. We have not gotten a Broncos stack yet, and I wanted one in my slow draft, which fucking finally concluded this week. So thank the Lord I'm free of that one. Uh, but th this one, though, like, I want Russ bad. Like, I feel like we know the premium here on QBs in the Superflex League. And this Broncos stack, I feel like we're going to be able to get it, you know, barring everybody ruining us as they always do in these live drafts. Um, hang on. I'm, I'm taking a beating in the chat here. Josh says I never respond uh, to DMs. Um Josh, for a loyal Splash Play fan, I'd be willing to come on your podcast for at least two to five minutes. Um, and so we can we let me know what the format is. Uh, also, GM Shorty stuff. I meant to respond to you last night. I saw your tag in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. He says he doesn't know whether to thank me or hate me. He's started DFS a couple months. Hang on, we're on the clock. Sorry. Yep, we are on the clock. Um, I say we do what? I say we do. <laughs> I say we do Chase or Jefferson. But yeah. what do you think? I was thinking Chase or Jefferson as well. Um, I'm going to go. I would go Chase. All right. Um, I worry, yeah. I worry a little bit about him. You know, like Jefferson probably is the safer pick, but, and I feel like Jamar is getting steamed up a little bit because of the playoff run, but I, I'm never going to be mad about taking Jamar Chase. Yeah. Um, sorry to put on a bow on this GM shorty, uh, <laughs> binked the $2.595 person single entry last night. Congratulations, sir. Uh, I hope you don't hate me. I don't. I don't know how I red pilled you into in, in NBA DFS because I don't play NBA DFS. But uh, I will take any possible credit for your bank. Um, I'm happy to do that. NBA DFS right now, it's absolute chaos. I started playing again this week after taking about two weeks off just because of the baby stuff going on and got back in and, you know, shout out to all my friends over at Osmo. I still watch their live before lock shows every day. Great thing to keep on in the background if you are grinding some NBA DFS lineups. But Pete, right now, NBA DFS is like the most fun, but also the most chaotic. 
if you have a good process, it's good. But like today, the entire Clippers team got ruled out. The entire Grizzlies team got ruled out. Um, there's one other one that I'm blanking on too. Who basically, everybody's ruled out. So it just ends up being a barrage of 3K players where if you have a good projection system, you can kind of, you know, build whatever lineups you want. And if you don't, it's just like, oh, why is everybody playing, you know, this backup point guard? And then all of a sudden, this guy's going for 50 points. It's like the most fun to me, but it's pure chaos in NBA DFS right now. Yeah, some of the people in the chat and Brian were telling me that on Lulz on Wednesday that like Dwight Howard was projected for 30 some minutes and then played five minutes and it does not sound like an enjoyable experience. It's all about risk management. It's all about, you know, a game of infinite outcomes. Pete, you got to track your exposures. So, you know, I use the Osmo Boom Bus tool to track my exposures, basically use that as a multiple on the projection that I generate myself based off of, off of my data. But there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. Uh, I think it's fun. You know, the issue is like with NBA DFS in general, uh, people are so sharp with NBA DFS in a way where there isn't even the variability of NFL DFS. So if you are not good at it, you are going to get shelled in, <laughs> in a very quick period of time. So that's the one caveat. But playing single entry like GM shorty stuff is probably the wisest move you can make. Yes. Um, Josh says he bought a Julio jersey for our show. Okay, if you bought... Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, what was it? You bought a jersey... What was the jersey he was going to buy? The Gino jersey was the, the one that Gino we had asked. The Gino jersey. Yeah, yeah, Um, And Bullock is taking uh, the blame for holding up your draft. He <laughs> says he was one of the assholes waiting on the clock for free agent news. I look, I respect the move. I just personally have the most uh, ADD in the world for those kind of things. And I just want to get things done and want to make my picks. And then sometimes you get the alert at like 2 a.m. And then if I'm waking up like at 9 a.m. or something or 830, it's like, oh, shit, I'm on the clock. And I'm like, I'm scrambling to make a pick. So it just so I don't end up with some asshole because I do not cue my guys up in advance. And and that's where they get you in slow drafts, Pete. If you are not a, a really a person on top of the ball, if you're just having a good time making a draft, I'm going to say slow drafts are not for you. Do the fast ones. I actually, I have a Zen approach. I was literally was thinking through this take this morning because I got timed out. It was like in the 12th or 13th, or no, sorry. It was maybe the 11th, whatever. I got Robert Woods and he was not in my queue. He was just at the top of best available when I timed out. And I was like, you know what? He's at the top of the queue because he slid past ADP. So I'm getting a value. I wouldn't otherwise take Robert Woods, not necessarily my preferred target, but like, is he a guy I don't want to have any exposure to? No, not necessarily. So I, I came to um, appreciate, you know, letting the, uh, the randomizer gods kind of take care of my exposures at some points. All right, we got a pick here. We got some anecdotes in chat as well that we'll touch on in a second. Um, you know, Dalvin here, we didn't take Justin Jefferson, maybe touchdown running a little better for Dalvin Cook this year could be a way to get leverage on that. Yeah, the other thing I would just think through is I do think we should probably take a quarterback on the wrap coming back. So if there was a quarterback we want to prioritize or if we want to prioritize the running back. Um, we can we can take Cook, though. Yeah, I, I would take Dalvin now, and I, I wouldn't be opposed to taking Tua here in the hopes that he does make that jump, even though it comes with a little bit of apprehension for me. But I feel like Tua or Trevor Lawrence would be my pick out of those two since we didn't take Justin Jefferson early on. Yeah, to uh I, I don't mind Kirk, especially because if we just want to make this bet on the Vikings, um, mm -hmm. even though we won't have Jefferson, I don't mind that. Uh, but yeah, I like I like Tua as well. Trevor yeah, seems right. to be the one that falls of this for the most for some reason. Um, although I I mean that's probably justified. I mean, if we take Tua, there's no way we're gonna get Waddle right on the way back. Um um, no, yeah, we won't, we won't get him. But like, 
honestly, with the super flex stuff, I mean, yes, the stacks are nice and we can still mess with like a Gasicki and stuff, but I feel like there's just a tear break here. Like, I mean, it starts to get real gross. Yeah, I'm okay with two. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I, I certainly don't mind as well. And you could probably get the pass catchers cheaper, but I feel like two has got probably a better floor and a better range of outcomes too. The other thing that I think with these super flex drafts, especially where they, you know, quarterback, the beast is getting starved. Um, it's a little easier to play chicken if you're in the middle and stuff. But when you're picking here near one of the ends and you have, you know, 20 plus picks until you pick again, like you can just see multiple tiers just fly off the shelves uh, right in front of you. So I, I kind of like protecting it a little bit there. You see Ryan Tannehill go one pick after us. And I wouldn't be surprised by the time it comes back around if we're looking at, you know, the Mac Jones is the best available, maybe even the Daniel Jones territory. Um, here's some interesting chats as well. DFS Texas rounding out some of the auto draft ended up with Callaway in the fifth round because of a timeout. That's the bad run of it. But Bullock making his case as well for why the slow draft holding out everybody might've been the move ended up with 30% Tom Brady exposure in the big board uh, just because he held out long enough, I guess for Tom Brady to unretire, um, which I think is really proof of how rude it is. <laughs> but also you like, if it works for you, good. I just, you gotta be doing it for the right reasons. Though. Like that's a reason to do it. If you're doing it just because you're waiting for somebody and you end up taking a guy you would have taken anyway i have so much disdain for you i mean that was a very polite way of saying you have disdain for anyone who pulls that move i don't see the difference between the two scenarios you outlined well if, if he's doing it and it's like getting something that materially matters if you're doing it and you got the same guy you would have gotten anyway like that to me is where cool you just wasted eight hours of our lives but for no reason Right, but that's what they're waiting for is the optionality and the chance that something arrives, but they go into it knowing there's a, a good chance nothing changes and they just draft who they otherwise would have. I know what I'm saying here flies in the face of everything we talk about, Pete, but I'm going to look solely at the results here. And if you got the results, great. If you didn't get the results, then I hate you. And that's how yeah. it just got to be. Um, Top Stat saying, Pete, do you think it's worth drafting Tom Brady in these drafts since people got such a massive discount on him earlier on, kind of similar to the Henderson situation last year? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, I'm trying to remember the timeline on, you know, when Brady came back, when the Superflex draft it opened up, and then also looking at how much, um, how close this is to getting filled, because I think all of those factors matter. You know, if only 10% of the teams had a chance to get Tom Brady at, uh, you know, a 10th or 11th round or wherever they got them, you know, I still think there's so many variables and things that come into play into winning a tournament like this, that it's not like you're going to be totally behind the eight ball. I do think the Henderson example you make is a good one on the other extreme of that happened, you know, pretty far along where there were so many teams that had been drafted and at extreme values that I wasn't really wanting to touch Darrell Henderson and just because his value and situation changed in such an extreme way. But honestly, I really don't think I would go out of my way to fade Brady in this format, mainly because quarterback is just such a tricky thing here as well. Like you, you can't play chicken with it. Like I said, and I think they're being overdrafted just in general, as far as what they're actually giving you relative to other positions, but it almost doesn't matter because the entire draft room is just collectively agreeing that we are going to draft the shit out of these early. And so if Tom Brady ends up being the guy that's there for me when I'm picking, um, I'm, I have no problem with it, but I, I think it's something to be cautious of. I think you can break ties away from that but I don't think you have to X him off your draft list right now. 
No, I think that's a very good explanation of it. And it's honestly, like you're saying, it is a complex concept because there are definitely a lot of variables, variables that go into that where, you know, if you're choosing between Tom Brady at a higher ADP than you'd like to pay, or you're taking, you know, Zach Wilson, like that's such a steep drop off, no matter what happens with that Tampa Bay offense. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to justify taking Tom Brady, even though you are competing against other people, but you know, it's still ultimately like, it's like a GP lineup in a regular DFS slate. Like you still, the rest of your lineup matters as much as where you got that one guy's ADP. Right. And it's like, you know, you think we talk about this, like you said, with DFS showdown sports, you're actually worried about duplication and having a very similar lineup to someone else. We don't ever really actually worry about dupes in, in an NFL classic DFS slate, because even if some guy has the same one as you, it's highly unlikely that all nine players are the same. This goes to 20 rounds. There's different stacks, different textures. Um, I don't, I don't think one, like if, here, here, do this thought experiment. Like, let's even just say here, we'll, we'll do it after we do this round, but because I think it's kind of interesting. Um, all right, DFS Texas is on the clock. Um, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones made it back. I, I don't mind, though. I don't think we have to do quarterback with one of these two picks. I mean, do we go Brees Hall here and hope that he's worthwhile? Do you want to go? I mean, we're going really light on wide receiver. We should probably take Judy because I, uh, I guess he I, might. I think I think we grab Brees Hall first. Um, if okay. one of these other guys want to want to you know cuck us on Judy, but I'm get, I'm starting to get pretty excited on Brees Hall. I mean, he's going to be an early day two pick. Um, you know everything from his combine in his college production like signals to me that he's going to step in and be a lead back somewhere. And at five ten, I feel like there's so much upside on the bone. Like five ten feels like his floor almost. That's where like Javante Williams and. ETN were going last year after their landing spots. Whereas if he gets a nut landing spot, you know, say he gets the, the Najee Harris to, to Pittsburgh treatment, like he could be a, a second round pick. So I'm definitely sold on Brees Hall at this pick. It also helps. I know lots of the road of his guys. I've seen Sean Siegel aggressively drafting him. So I'm all about that. And I'm with you. I'm happy to grab Jerry Judy here for the stack. If you are on board with that. Yep. I think so. Uh, we didn't miss Sutton already. Did we? Um, no Sutton will have a lower ADP. I would imagine. Okay, yeah, I hope so. Cause I, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I don't want to ruin it for the room here. Cause we do have, I think everybody in our chat is in this draft currently. Uh, but I do think that Sutton to me has equally as much appeal to Jerry Judy. And I would take whichever one that we can get, uh, but glad to get Judy here. And it seems like hopefully we can complete the stack. I also wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't point out football outsiders, of course, the F of 40, where they're updating as we go, as new information comes in, new data, all that stuff. We launched a partnership this week uh, with sports info solutions. So we're taking some more of their college data as well uh, to take another look at this, you know, basically another great data provider. And if you're not using them, you're probably going to hear more about uh, uh, them from us in the coming weeks and months as well. Cause they do a lot of great charting for the NFL. We still have Kenneth Walker as the number one running back and Brees Hall's been getting steamed up a lot, but Kenneth Walker, the pass catching stuff, I know is what really stuck out for our guys, Mike Tanier and Derek Klassen. Klassen in particular, we're doing a lot of the reviewing of game tape. So, you know, Brees Hall, I worry is just getting steamed up a little bit too much. He's got better size than Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker is explosive. Like, I don't know if you've watched any of his highlight reels, but he's the dude that's me. Like, you know, I'm obviously following these guys lead because I trust them a lot more than my own eye. But like when you watch tape of Kenneth Walker, he is so explosive in a way that I just don't feel like Brees Hall quite, you know, has quite as much better name on Brees Hall, but Kenneth Walker got the speed. Yeah. I did just want to circle back to that conversation that, uh, top stat brought up about the kind of when guys materially change in value over the course of the tournament, whether you should be Xing them out or not. And another kind of point toward 
not going out of your way to avoid them um, is this idea of, yes, other people in the tournament are going to have better teams, but in your self-contained 12-man league, that's not the case. You're still competing against everyone in that league who has the same advantage. So it's not hurting your win expectation for those first, whatever, 13 weeks before the tournament starts. And then on top of it, like the thought experiment I was going to do is, let's just say if some guy in all 150 of his entries got an extra, let's just say, I don't know, second or third round pick in the 13th round. Like, would he be um, a heavy favorite to win BBM just with that one pick? Like, no, I would bet all this money that he still wouldn't do it, even though his odds are minuscule or, uh, you know, slightly more than they would have been otherwise. But I'm just kind of thinking through like the gauntlet you have to go through to actually win BBM and everything coming together. It's still such a tough needle to thread. So I think when you're thinking about getting first place in here, um, I'm not, I'm not as worried about it. Uh, Bullock also in the chat saying Sean and Ben, uh, of course, referring to Ben Gretsch and Sean Siegel took Brees in the third yesterday on FFPC. Um, yeah. So that's an interesting thing to note here. And again, another co-sign from two very sharp guys who uh, do a good show as well. The ceiling banana show over at Rotoviz, one worth checking out as well. If you're trying to keep your, your prep going all off season long and then um, GM shorty stuff saying most stared a must for two. I would think chase Edmonds would be the one you'd want to pair by like a wider margin, a much wider margin. Yeah, I wouldn't say Mostert's a must. I don't think either are a must, but I actually been fairly happy with Chase Edmonds' cost in these drafts. He's been fairly um, cheap, in my opinion, and then Mostert's still a good value too, and I don't mind just correlating um, with the team if you're making a bet on the Dolphins. And as we were saying before, the stack options with Tua aren't as clean and sexy after Waddles and Tyreek are gone. So... You know, I, I think getting a couple Dolphins pieces, because if you're drafting Tua and he's winning you this tournament, the Dolphins are probably humming as an offense, which probably means there's a decent amount of rushing and running back points as well. Um, we are on the clock. Wow. And DK Kevin Thompson in the chat, your newsletter pal doing stuff for fantasy life took Cortland Sutton right out from under us. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know everyone's down on DK Metcalf, but. We're 20 picks after ADP on him. I think let's take him. Yeah. Yeah. He also might get traded. Yeah. Yeah. You have some, you have some backdoor outs there. Um, I think the conversation here is, you know, we keep, I, I still am willing to value like Goddard and Hawkinson as having top five tight end upside. So I don't mind considering one of those guys or, you know, if we're starting to worry about our QB three, which we don't necessarily have to, but I think that's in play as well. Although these options aren't necessarily inspiring. I don't think Trubisky should come off the board before golf, just for the record. Um, where do you, where are you thinking here? Cause I, you could talk me into Darnell Mooney. You could talk me into Pittman. I think, or Goddard too. Like I think all those three would be live for me. Yeah. Um, why don't we try like more of a tight end by committee approach? I, I like Pittman a lot. Um, you want to do him? Yeah, I think he's going to be the easy number one receiver for Matt Ryan. And I, I think Matt Ryan's going to be infinitely more accurate than we saw Carson Wentz be as well as better for the locker room as some of the reports have come out, which we didn't cover on the show. But boy, Carson Wentz is getting buried on the way out uh, by Jim Irsay as well as like the team in a way that I don't think I've ever seen like a high contract QB get buried on the way out of a team. Yeah, they uh, I feel it's like 
what's the saying? You know, you you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. It's like <laughs> you made Carson Wentz your quarterback when anyone in Philadelphia would have told you about all the red flags about him. It's like, what, what did you expect from Carson Wentz? Like, didn't they get what most people would have expected from him? So uh, I don't know. I put that on the Colts. Apparently we just sniped Pittman from, uh, from DFS Texas or from somebody here. And um, we got sniped on Cortland Sutton. So I guess you, you reap what you sow draft room. Yeah. You come for us. We are a vindictive, vengeful duo. Yeah. We will. And you'll never buy this hat. <laughs> no, because you can't. And you let can't. me tell you, it's a beautiful hat. It, there, it actually massages your head from within. Uh, it stimulates your brain cells. It makes you smarter. Uh, it makes you more attractive and you can't actually get the hat. I could actually feel like obviously, you know, hair growth, never an issue for me here, but I would feel like feel follicles being stimulated as well. It's basically this underdog hat is like one of those hymns products or something like <laughs> where it's point <laughs> growing hair, feeling good about yourself. My confidence levels are soaring, Pete. Too bad people can't buy this at the underdog merch store. Yeah, it is a bummer. Um, I, uh, I am, uh, I might have some more, uh, we're going to, we're going to have some fun little merch stuff with, with underdog, uh, coming up this year that I can, I can tease that a bit. So we'll, uh, we'll see because we did the, um, we had like the club club top shot underdog hat, which was the underdog logo, but in the, uh, club top shot colors. Um, and that was a big hit last year. So who knows, maybe we'll, maybe we can spin up, um, a splash play underdog theme, mm -hmm a uh, little merch and uh and give some away on the show i think that'd be good limited collection only so we could put like somehow they'll be worth twenty five thousand dollars like i saw actually uh my old friend at barstool caleb presley like had uh custom air force ones made by some Hasbullah, who i don't know who that is like apparently a very popular social media person who did like a painting on the shoes there's two shoes two versions of the shoes that exist these air force ones one selling for twenty five thousand dollars on the open market right now yeah, are you uh, thinking about liquidating Lucas College Fund and getting a per <laughs> well, of those Air Force ones? <laughs> so that would cover five dollars of the <laughs> the twenty five thousand, perhaps not the rest of it. But I just feel like you know, limited merch, limited edition merch, Pete. Uh, that's always going to be the approach for for any sort of just really juking the value, like your like your beloved NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um. All right. So this is going to be an interesting turn here i mean i definitely like some of the wide receivers uh available and also some you know teams that we can continue to stack up we should probably check in on quarterback um you know we do have like a drew lock backstop with metcalf i mean you could do the unthinkable and try to set up set up a lock at dk metcalf drew lock double i mean it's gross but you could do it I've said on this show, and I will I'll continue to say it, Drew Locke, bootleg Josh Allen vibes, I think are still there. I think let's do it. All right, we're gonna set this up. And look, if you want to get your rocks off, drafting Drew Locke, 35 picks ahead of ADP to destroy the joy on Spags and I's face when we complete this, what I will now call the true premium double stack, go for it. Yeah, people, here's the thing, Pete. You know, we always know when the public's thinking one thing, you got to zag. Maybe the Seahawks are the one to come out of the NFC. <laughs> okay, no, that's a, you could even say that with a straight face. We did um, that future show on Monday, and a boy, or you know, whatever that was, yeah, that was Monday, and uh, yeah, did not look great for the Seahawks, according to the markets right now. Um, all right, so we're just gonna do this, yeah. I mean, 
there is like a small chance we could push it, but the way quarterbacks fly off the shelves, I mean, you got to get your guys. You got to no, reach for Drew Locke. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't see how we could do this draft and not reach for Drew Locke. No, you have to. I've also got to give a credit to Kevin. Kevin did steal, of course, our beloved Cortland Sutton, but he did say Pete will cut you, <laughs> Pete Welshier. <laughs> Peter, yes. Peter Welshier could be a distant cousin of Corbin Welshier. <laughs> um, Philip says, win underdog in UK. I'm still talking with Corbin. I actually have hired him. Uh, he's <laughs> hiding out in the bushes in front of the parliament. Um, let's see. Uh, there was another question. Uh, oh, Bullock was asking me, when are randomizer drafts going to start? Yeah, uh, definitely been thinking about it. Uh, I, have, I have big plans for the show this year. I want to boost up uh, some of the production value. Uh, truthfully, uh, it, they'll probably start after the NFL draft. Um that's where I feel like I have enough time to get everything where I want. But uh, I appreciate you asking and definitely excited for another year of randomizers. And maybe even your your regular podcast partner Spags can make the cut for the randomizer guest list this year after not getting that boost the last couple of You know what? Uh, you're right. I didn't invite you on, but, you know, I, I can see a randomizer in your future now that we've built up what a, a shared lexicon uh, mm-hmm. uh you know a wealth of of memories and ex- shared experiences because basically the the best randomizer shows are when the audience in the chat have tons of good fun suggestions that are specific to the guest and so even like when i did it with jack settlement last year people had gotten to know him from club top shot had lots of fun things to pimp him into doing i have a feeling that this crew and the randomizer crew can come up with some very fun spags prompts. That's right. And if, you know, we involve the baby, if we must, I think that's really the main thing, but <laughs> Lou is right. The spagomizer, the branding really speaks for itself. So I'm just glad I've now vocalized my, my, my quiet hatred for Pete <laughs> asking me to do it the last year. I know. Well, knowing you, like you've actually been stewing about that for like nine months and no. I didn't even realize it was like a mild degree of offense. I would say more <laughs> than like stewing to be completely honest with that thought. It, it was like, uh, it took me a while to realize too, kind of like what are the elements of the best randomizer show and being like, you know, you can do stuff with people you've had on your shows before, but partly it was like the same reason like, oh, do I want to do this with Davis? I do the swole cast with Davis every week. I, I love doing shows with you, but I'm like, this is my chance to do shows with other people. But I know that the Spags randomizer, the Spagomizer will be a great show. Oh, Corbin back in the chat saying, uh, and I'm going to do it in the voice. Thank y'all for this big talk from people taking Drew Locke to carry their team. <laughs> I'm Corbin Welshier logging off. Yeah, this is this is why we left the uh, the vice grips of the you know British government to start our own country is so we can draft Drew Locke without oppression from you, Corbin. Drew Locke would be on that Boston Tea Party boat, throwing off every bit of tea he could find, and probably missing the ocean in the course of that process. But that's uh, sorry, sorry, Corbin. Yeah. Also, one of my better accents, by the way. I feel like my my Corbin slash uh, New Zealand, you know, kind of sounds like the guy from the boys. That's one of my best accents I have in my repertoire. Yeah, I mean, and you have you have plenty. Um, and actually, you, I think you said that every round you wanted to debut a new accent because. I, see now I'm I'm in the randomizer mode now. Oh, you know that's one thing too. We so we didn't do our off season draft. And I think our off season episode draft rather, and I think that's coming up around the NFL draft time. So something to keep in mind that we might be doing full accented shows coming. Hey, up. look who's here for us! Oh, perfect. Bada bing, bada boom. But see this like ADP Chase Edmonds 
at pick mm-hmm. 130, uh, obviously we have Tua, so we even get a little correlation boost there, but I love Edmonds in this range. Uh, Corbin asking, what is that accent? It must be hard to hear your own voice <laughs> on this show. I think that's always some sort of cognitive dissonance. See, DFS Texas, you know, sure. Would we have liked Russell Wilson's tight end um, as our first tight end in completing the stack? Of course. Are we going to let you have the satisfaction of thinking you sniped us? Absolutely not. We had zero interest in him. I mean, like Alberto, look a great guy, but you know, honestly, if Pete tried to type his name into the thing, there was a decent chance it could have gone wrong. So it wasn't worth the effort. <laughs> Please don't question my spelling skills. <laughs> really, spell Alberto Guibunum right now without seeing the hey, name in front of me. Now, there's a lot I have to do right now. Um, we do need to probably start thinking about a uh, tight end. I wouldn't mind getting one guy. With a little bit of upside, maybe Fryermuth kind of checks that box for me. I think it's Njoku. Really? If we want to reach a little even, bit more. Even after the news today. I mean, he is going to get traded. We don't know where he's going to be, but I think I, trying- I will take, I'll take Fryermuth over Ninjoku. Really? Oh, man. I would, I would place one of our famous, you got clock sticking. So, all right. I'll, I'll let you have this take just so I can hold it over you. Okay. That's fair. I think David Njoku is a top seven tight end next year. A classic hundred dollar. Yeah, let's do it. Bet. There we go. All right, hundred dollar bet. We we broke even, I think, last year. So now we'll. Uh, we, if Willis is watching, Willis, can you make sure to make a, a note of this? Uh, trust me, I'm making a note of it. I make okay. notes of all the good bets I make. He's, I he's got franchise tag. Deshaun Watts is going to be his QB for at least eleven games. You would think, barring injury. Like I, I really feel like Njoku takes a leap this year that he probably should have made earlier if they didn't sign Austin Hooper. Top seven, uh, well, I'll give it to you. It's not, uh, tight end is um, so flat after the top, you know, three or four elite guys that it's actually not super hard to be a top tight, 10 tight end, but I still will happily bet $100 that seven tight ends finish higher than him. Uh, Bullock in the chat saying, Juju gone, Freermuth is a pick. Come on. Yeah, you want that Mitchell Trubisky bump that's coming his way or the, the Dwayne Haskins bump or uh, the, you know, maybe Malik Willis can get there. I don't think that's likely. Uh, I just don't see, like, I think there's room for Deontay Johnson out production there. Probably Chase Claypool. Freermuth? I, I don't know, man. I feel like looking for a flat second year. Frankie, be quiet. That's the direction I thought it was going, but I liked Spags' oh. proposal far better. I mean, look, my exuberance and overconfidence has always been one of my failings when making these bets on the show. (laughs) And Iceman does know exactly what's going to happen. I actually hope that happens because how much is up top? Like if you're telling me I have two choices, one Spags and I split $50,000 because he technically helped draft this for me, even though it's on my account, or we win like $3,000 and Fryermuth is a league winner and Najoku gets hurt in week one. I will be able to hold that over Spags for the rest of his life. And that is worth far more than a share of $50,000 to me. No way that's worth more than a share. For me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know we love to, to joke on this show, but I would gladly trade any sort of moral victories for a few, few uh, five figure deals there for us. Oh, I know you would Spags, but some of us have principles and some of those principles include being able to make fun of their co-hosts until the end of time. What is Pratt Fre- Pat? What's Pratt Fearmuth? What's Pat Fearmuth like? What's his ceiling game so far? Like it, it can't be over twenty. Uh, he's had a couple two touchdown games. Yeah, I feel like two touchdowns, ten yards, two catches were probably the line. I don't know if you heard, but underdogs half point PPR. We're not really concerned with receptions. We just want the tutties, bruh. Fair point. Um, you know, I'm curious. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over to Fantasy Cruncher. What is going on on Fan? 
Oh my God. They have like some weird stopgap thing. Oh, I guess they're doing a new product. It's not uh, an April Fool's joke, it seems. I know, sorry, Pete. I know Pete doesn't want to give out FC plugs here, but I, what, what is going on in FC today? Jesus. Why would you look there for Pat Fryermoose stats last year? Because they usually, you know, you could just pull them up and then sort and see all How the How about games you go to you... one of a million sites, maybe ESPN.com? First of all, uh, in the in the January 9th, nine targets, all right, six catches. What more do you want? Um, right, I'm, I'm on we, stat news. November 8th, two touchdowns, six targets uh, against the Bears. He had seven total touchdowns last year. You lose. Okay. Well, also I'm putting, so I went to stat muse and uh, hey, yeah, we're on the pick. clock. Yeah. All right. Um, Tim Patrick. What? Yeah. I guess we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's the yeah. deep threat. Yeah. And if Cortland Sutton, something were to go awry with him, then Patrick would probably take the jump up. Yeah. I think Tim Patrick's ADP is like a little frothy. And I think I prefer Hamler over him. Really? Uh, but I don't mind it. Hamler's too small to get enough outside receiver reps. Like I think because we lost out on Sutton, we're kind of now playing that somebody else outside has the bigger days. That, that's not true. Hamler is Hamler is, I mean, where his bread is buttered is deep down the field in big plays. That's how he gets there, but he's not going to run enough routes. It doesn't matter. We don't need to predict which weeks he gets loose for a deep ball. That's, that's the beauty of best ball. I'll explain <sighs> the scoring right. system to you in a second. <laughs> Uh, speaking of deep threat, oh, do we want to? No offense, right? You want to suit? Someone suggested that. Yeah, Tyler said we super stack it. I think we I, have to. I mean, I, um, folks, I do just want to tell everyone at home right now. Um, when you're doing these best ball drafts, um, you know, it's like when you're watching stunts or you know, like Jackass, and they say don't try this at home. Do not ever attempt a drew lock triple stack in your own drafts this is for informational and content pur purposes only spags i need you to back me up on this uh draft drew lock in the second third round if you can don't worry about adps because when you hear the phrase bootleg josh allen you'll always think of it and that's that's a roller coaster i quite frankly never want to get off <laughs> Anyway, I, put, I searched for Pat Freermuth's uh, DraftKings points per game on StatMuse, and it gave me an MLB player named Pat Friel and his 1890 and 1891 numbers. So I, I, love how, I love how stubborn you are of just like not typing in ESPN or Yahoo or CBS or Pro Football Reference or every other place that has his stats readily available. Usually StatMuse is pretty good with DK points per game, and it gives you like a little like bar graph thing, but for whatever reason, it thinks I care a lot about this literally from the 1890s baseball player. Yeah. If you guys take Drew Loft in your drafts, make sure that you're wearing pads. Make sure that you have a friend nearby who, if something goes wrong, can help you out. Make sure that you have access to a phone to dial 911. Just make sure you are protecting yourself. Ultimately, Spags, I can only advise them not to try this at home. But you know, in the internet age, these kids are so impressionable. They'll see stuff from their heroes on a stream like this and then go try to emulate it. I think Corbin is now coming to attack us as well, saying, why are you expecting Drew Locke to finish? And my answer would be, I don't think it matters quite as much where he finishes. He just has to have the spike weeks when Tua and Russell Wilson aren't there. And when he does, you're going to see, as long as we have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Noah Fant on the team, uh, these guys are going to have their spike weeks as well. And that's, as our pal Eric Bimefor has taught us, spike weeks are important. 
Kevin says, Spag search for fantasy stats on Ash Jeeves. I'm waiting for you to say, it. sorry, I have daddy brain now. You know, I don't know where to look for stats anymore. <laughs> sorry, I guess I got a little daddy brain, Sal. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Look, I would ask you. I, I actually used to like Ash Jeeves back in the day. I, I did like the I, You do strike me as an Ash Jeeves. You strike me more as like an urban dictionary guy now. You just use that as your exclusive Google search. That's how you stay up on what the kids are talking about, Pete. Search Urban Dictionary and find out, oh, wow, cool. is another sex term. Great. Thanks, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> All right. For those listening at home, the structure of our draft through 15 rounds, three quarterbacks, Russ Wilson, Tua, and Drew Locke, three running backs, Dalvin Cook, rookie Brees Hall, and Chase Edmonds, six wide receivers, Jamar Chase, Jerry Judy, DK Metcalf, Pittman, Tyler Lockett, and Tim Patrick, and two tight ends, David Njoku, not Pat Fryermuth, unfortunately, and Noah Fant. Honestly, I mean, it's a nicely correlated team. We have some upside. We have some floor guys. I feel like we certainly didn't get the exact team I would have liked. I would have certainly liked to have gotten Cortland Sutton, but I think we've made the most of a, an adverse condition. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's war in here. Spags on the intellectual battlefield, fighting for our picks, for our players, seeing who will win out. Oh, oh, because you know, I, I, KJ Osborne is there. Um, I was like KJ Hamler. No, not KJ Hamler. I do think uh, we're we need to start considering some running backs. McKissick, Gainwell for your your PPR floors, your half point PPR floors. Yeah, I don't I don't mind Gainwell. Okay, let's do it. Let's I think you can take a jump. Yeah, I haven't drafted him yet. I don't think in these drafts. So happy to add an old Gainwell share to the portfolio. Gonna run home I, until everyone about that i also won't mind james washington coming up here like i know it was in the fantasy life newsletter you're talking about that he's got to carry some water right at this point given that they only are going to have cd lamb and uh and dalton schultz to start the year yeah yeah i don't i don't hate it um yeah Yeah, i'm just also thinking structurally i I mean we're definitely going to want to add a third tight end with this build we're probably good on three quarterbacks. Um, yeah, sure. We can do, we can do James Washington. The only other point would be, you mentioned KJ Osborne. We do already have Dalvin cook. If we want to keep making our bets on the Vikings, hmm. man, that's I'll defer to you. Yeah. Let's do KJ Osborne. If I got it in time. All right. Yeah. I, I like James Washington to be clear. Like I think he's a decent value here. I think enough people remember the down years and in, in Pittsburgh and him kind of falling out of rotation, but the Cowboys just have nobody else. And it doesn't seem like they're going to have the draft capital to take anybody too good. So I feel like James Washington is a perfectly fine play and he goes right after us. So, so there you go. I'm not, I'm not alone. DFS, Texas, great minds think alike. Yeah. DFS, Texas, you can't consider that a snipe. Um, Spags liked him. I absolutely hated the pick. I was never actually going to click the button, but I wanted Spags to feel like he had some autonomy and sway in the decision. So um, you actually just caught the falling knife and um, you didn't actually snipe us. Um, Josh asking in the chat, when are we getting a single entry best ball draft? I don't think that'd be financially viable. No, they did. Um, They did a couple last year. But not with a big enough prize pool to be worth. I mean, I guess Josh does like the smaller prize pool, single entries. I know from DFS, but I like. I feel like it's probably not worth a ton of time on their end. I mean, I don't think it's too hard for them to spin up uh, contests these days. I, I, I don't. I don't mind the uh, the little single entry there, especially for um, the higher buy-in ones. Um, like I, I like the idea of like I would do, you know, 
like I'm trying to think of a tournament. Say they had a they had a five hundred dollar tournament, you know, or similar to kind of the big dog. I think big dog was two hundred, but even the big dog, I think you could have what was it like thirty five entries or it's two two hundred fifty dollar entry where it's like yeah, like firing a single bullet isn't quite as comfortable, but like I would definitely be more willing to do I think like a five hundred dollar a thousand dollar entry if it was a single bullet. I wish that they would do their equivalent. I guess the mitten is kind of it, but you still have to try to draft 150 to get there. Like they need their their equivalent of like the play action, like the three dollar, you know, three dollar twenty max. Like that's tournament. the mitt. That's the mitten. But it's still 150 max though. Yeah. Like I, it's hard for me. For me personally, it's hard to get in 150 drafts. Like I would really suck it up, Spags. To- it's hot best ball summer is around the corner, and you just need to make it happen. I don't care if you have a small child that you need to keep alive. I mean, honestly, maybe that'll be a content angle. Just me having to grind out 150 drafts and doing them all somewhere. I don't know. That's a yeah, thought. Why is it? It's it's impossible to bring up Luca without you trying to think of a content play. I was thinking for myself, <laughs> just 150 drafts. But yeah, I mean, doing it with Luca would be great too. If he he's telling you what he's not going to participate very much, he'll probably vomit on me throughout the course of hey, the process. Can we ask Kevin what he's doing? Why is Kevin continuing to take? are Denver Broncos. Last I checked, he doesn't have Russell Wilson on his team. Yeah, it, it seems like Kevin is just trying to hurt us, to be quite frank. He is. He took Rashad Penny and, and Mostert. I mean, what is going on here, Kevin? Isn't his nickname reasonable? This feels, if anything, yeah. rather unreasonable. Yeah, the unreasonable Kevin Tompkins. <laughs> Lack of reason Kevin Tompkins is what I'm branding him here. I hope you're happy with your, your new angle, Kevin. Sticks and stones will make break my bones, but snipes will never hurt me. Um, all right. We are oh, look who's at number three. <laughs> what do you LaVisca? Yeah. Don't tell uh, me with a good time. Chief LaVisca Chenault. We should take Cedric Wilson, right? Um, sure. Yeah. No reason not to. Is there ever a guy, by the way, who signed with the team and immediately was like, what? Come on. <laughs> like, I feel like Cedric Wilson's got to be feeling awful besides the millions of dollars. Yes. Uh, yeah, he got he got his payday. He's probably fine. I mean, it's not like, I mean, I guess some of these guys are a little delusional on their skill set and how good they are. But I would just guess that Cedric Wilson wasn't like, I'm going to catch 125 balls <laughs> in the Dolphins offense this year. Um but yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's part of him that was like, I'm as good as CeeDee Lamb. Like, I'm going here and you guys are going to treat me like CeeDee Lamb, right? And then it's just, <laughs> I'm always pushing the biscuit. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I don't, we, got, we got a pick coming up here. Um, uh, Palmer, Jones, Visca. Yeah, I mean, we are going to need to add another running back. We also need to add a tight end. I don't mind Hooper, Moali, Cox. Mm, I'd go Moali because we do have Pittman and there's a little bit of leverage against him yeah. if he does have a down day. All right. Although yeah, that works. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now, now we're good. We're good at tight end. We're good at quarterback. We have two more picks. I'm thinking we are one running back and one more wide receiver. Yeah. I think that seems like a reasonable approach to me. Also, Josh saying Spag's going to use Luca as an 18 year bit. I'll, the bit will be that I raise a productive human being out of this. <laughs> like that would be the payoff for the pit. And, and what a twist that would be. Spags is going to tell Luca that unless he can fund his college based on TikTok revenue, um, that he's going <laughs> to have to just get his GED. Um, 
GA asking, is McKinnon a free agent? Uh, yeah. yeah, we're kind of waiting to see what the Chiefs do between him and Darrell Williams. I think conventional wisdom is they're going to keep one of them and the other was going to walk. I was actually thinking the Bucks could have been an interesting spot for McKinnon if they mm. let him go, but then they just re-signed Gio Bernard today. And so that kind of takes that idea and throws it out the window. McKinnon might have made sense in Buffalo too, but then they got Duke Johnson. But I feel like with them wanting McKissick, like going to McKinnon might have been, besides their similar names, like that would have been a logical kind of pivot move. But I, Duke, I guess, could catch enough passes too. I will answer this question in a non-jokey way uh, about our massive Drew Locke involvement. But Joshua says, don't you want four QBs in case Locke doesn't start later in the year and you have a bye week? So like our team, because we, we went so heavy on the Seahawks, I mean, we are probably going to live and die by if Drew Locke is competent and plays the season. And we're, we've already just made this big bet on the team. So if he sucks and everything implodes, which is likely, then we just punted off this money and we move on to our next tournament team. So, you know, we'll be talking about this a lot this year with the best ball mania stuff, but drafting like you're right. And even though it is really hard to imagine drafting Drew Locke and being right, um, we backed ourselves into that corner. And that is the thesis and the story we now have to tell ourselves with this team. In a situation like this one, and in Seattle is kind of a weird one. I guess Pittsburgh could end up being similar, maybe depending on what they do. But like, could you see, yeah, Josh saying in the chat, could you get Gino? Like, would you consider taking Gino in the 20th round just to have some share of that potentially? This goes back to the whole like handcuff situation and, and handcuffing running backs. And, um, you know, the data pretty strongly shows that handcuffing is negative EV in the tournaments. It's like we were talking about, you know, let's just, I'll just put a number on it and say to like, take down best ball mania. You need like six or seven league winners, you know, on a team. Like you want all 20 of your darts to have a chance at hitting one of those league winners, one of those must have guys to take down the tournament. So if you double up on that, you're just, you're now basically saying, I'm going to do my 19 round draft first year, 20 round draft. And with locking up that production, I know there's counter arguments, um, to that, but I would prefer in these top heavy tournaments to really be swinging from the fences and draft as if, what if I nail Drew Locke? And then instead of taking Gino, we take a rookie. And when, what if we nail him as the breakout? That's just kind of generally how I like to approach things. We should think about taking a rookie running back here. I feel like, or we took, you know, so, I know you like, you know, I was going to say, Eno or Trey Sermon, I think fit this build. Well, just where we're at with running backs. I'd be okay. Taking, Eno. Okay. Like I, I like the idea of taking a stab. Like I don't think I'm pretty sure Kyron Williams hasn't been drafted. I don't mind taking a, a shot at him. Another guy who could step in and play a little bit shorter than you'd like to see, but definitely uh, should have some pass game work and as well as the ability to pass block decently. Um, Isaiah Spiller went too, right? Yeah, but I, I kind of think we should. I guess we don't have to with this build get to nine receiver. I think yeah, I think we could do a three six eight three. I really don't think Byron Pringle should be going this late, by the way. I need to say that again here. I'll say that every time we do a draft and he's this low. Like, he shouldn't be a 20th round pick or a 19th round pick. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it. DFS Texas making a case for Zay Jones down here as well. Um, we drafted him on ship chasing the other night, I think. Um, How about Amari Rogers? Amari Rogers. Yeah, I mean, did you have thoughts just structurally on running back or wide receiver? I feel like it's close. I'm okay like taking I, a wide receiver here. Like, I think just one more shot there, I, you know, I, assuming Drew Locke doesn't work out. I also don't mind Sermon because we were interested in him on the last pick, but I think it's fine. We can draft Amari Rogers. Yeah, I just feel like 
who else is there right now? And maybe they don't have enough to add another receiver in a meaningful way. I feel like they're at this point, they're probably looking towards bargain bin guys who get cut. Amari um, Rogers, second year guy. That's a, there's always a jump. He certainly didn't do anything last year, but like he's going to get an opportunity. You would think based on the draft capital they spent this year. Yeah. Yeah. He just, um, I guess it is hard to untangle. Um, you know, Rogers obviously runs the show there. He didn't seem to, have too much patience for Amari Rogers or much interest in giving him targets. And I guess the question is though, he might not have a choice <laughs> next year, depending on what they, they do in the draft. So yeah, I don't mind it as like a, a pure, you know, vacated target volume kind of play. I would like to see a news headline in the offseason going Aaron Rodgers and Amari Rodgers working together, throwing the ball around and whatever. Like, I feel like if I see one of those, I'll be all in on Amari Rogers. <laughs> that's all it takes for yeah, you. That's all it takes. And same yeah. last name too. Got to count. There, right. Yeah. I mean, one of the strongest correlations there are isn't quarterback to wide receiver. It's last name to last name. And Aaron Rodgers known to love people who share his last name. All right, Pete, we finished the draft here. Of course, make sure you are playing over at underdog as well. Use that promo code splash. If you want to double your deposit up to $100, you'll never get this merch, but you can double your deposit right now over there and play in some fun drafts. We have a ton of fun doing these every Friday. We'll be doing it again next Friday as well. Um, and on Monday, we're digging into the USFL and maybe some more stuff. So uh, come back, tune in there, 2.30 on PH channel and the Splash Play channel. Make sure you're subscribed to both as well because we're going to have channel uh, content coming out on both of those. So exciting stuff for us, but show us a little love, get on the splash play channel and hit the like button on both forms of the videos. And, and Pete, anything for you, you want to say? Uh, no, uh, everyone have uh, a great weekend and uh, yeah, we'll see you back on, on Monday afternoon. And Corbin wants his team sauce too bad. Corbin, see you Monday. <laughs>